0: Again, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 11, Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When the Apostle John opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Father, we pray for the blessing of your spirit upon the reading of this word, and we ask for your guidance as we work through this text. It is meant to encourage us and help us So let us find that help and apply it faithfully to our lives. In your holy name we pray this. Amen. I've been reading the Puritan Hope by Ian McMurray. And he quotes... J.H. Thornwell who happened to be the first president of the University of South Carolina If the church could be aroused to a deeper sense of glory of the glory that awaits her she would enter with a warmer spirit into the struggles that are better that are before her Hope would inspire ardor or hope would inspire passion. She would even now arise from the dust and like the eagle plume her pinions for loftier flights that she has taken than she has taken. What she wants and what every individual Christian wants is faith faith in her sublime vocation, in her divine resources, in the presence of and efficacy of the spirit that dwells in her, faith in the truth, faith in Jesus, and faith in God. With such faith, there would be no need to speculate about the future. That would speedily reveal itself in our unfaithfulness, our negligence and unbelief, our low and carnal aims that retard the chariot of the Redeemer. The bridegroom cannot come until the bride has made herself ready. Let the church be in earnest after greater holiness in her own members and in faith and love undertake the conquest of the world and she will soon settle the question whether her resources are competent to change the face of the earth. This is all in response to what we understand about the last things. Revelation. If we could be ready and understand the glory that we are to experience in the church, our passion would grow. Our faith in what is before us, predictably, is something we should look forward to. But the late Dr. Thornwell very clearly challenges us. It is our unfaithfulness that retards the chariot of the Redeemer. The bridegroom cannot come until the bride has made herself ready. We've been looking at Revelation for a few weeks now, and these lessons here, I'm told by some of you, have been helpful, and I'm glad to hear that. We want to look this morning at kind of part two of what we began last week. Spiritual endurance is needed. Last week we saw, talked about, explaining the seals that are being opened. There are seven in all. We'll come down to the fifth one. God or Christ has sovereign authority over all in the world. God in Christ has sovereign authority over all of history God in Christ has sovereign authority over every life and that includes yours and mine we understand that all have broken God's law all have offended his word some come to God and receive his gift of grace and mercy they receive the gospel they hear it and accept that gift that is given freely Others continue in rebellion, breaking his laws, and incur upon themselves his wrath against sin. We see that with everyone who does not receive the gospel. Some of us might struggle with the idea it just isn't fair that God doesn't save everybody. He has to respect his word, his own word, his own law. And if it's been violated, someone must pay. The offender must be punished. We have received his mercy. And others who reject his offer of grace do not receive his mercy. If God were to be fair, all would be condemned to eternal hell. That would be the fair things because all have violated God's law. I've done it. You've done it. Second Peter 3, 2 Peter 3.2 reminds us, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. It's almost as if Paul had heard through the door, through the door of heaven, this vision that John has seen. Lord, how long will it be before our lives are avenged. But the Apostle Peter continues, in two verse, chapter two, Second Peter three, beginning of verse eight. Do not overlook this, overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should come to repair, should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we have this description and revelation of these saints in heaven who are calling out to God. When will our lives be avenged? And God is telling them, "I desire to be merciful just a little longer." That's what's going on. He's being patient that others might come into the church. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. If You remember last week, the term under the altar meant they were under the cleansing blood of Jesus. These were saints from the Old Testament that trusted God and his word. By faith for salvation in the coming Messiah. And they were faithful New Testament martyrs also by the time John had written this letter. Killed by the Roman Empire. Killed for their faith. Their number continues to grow even today. Every generation, every age has seen martyrs made for their testimony to Christ. God desires that you be faithful to him wherever you are. God desires that you learn all you can about him and his word. That's what he wants us to do. I've been praying a lot for the young people in this congregation because the church, one of the problems, one of the struggles that the church all across America has is that Whenever young people grow up, even if they're faithful in church with their families, by the time they get their car keys, they don't come to church anymore. And that's tragic. And I remember hearing some very strong preaching when I was a teenager that challenged me to be faithful to my Lord and Savior. And that has stuck with me my whole life. And I would like to, if I could humbly attempt to do so, challenge some of the young people in this congregation. Be faithful to the Lord with your whole life. If you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he has redeemed you, do not leave. Do not step away. Do not wander away. Do not be tempted to leave, but persevere. God and his spirit will work in you in, with gentle power. We read texts in Revelation, they seem kind of frightening. Because it's talking about people who have died for their faith and most of American Christians are not ready to die for their faith. <laughs> God and His Spirit will work in you with gentle power, with deliberate power, to make you into the man or woman He intends you to be. One of the benedictions we find in Romans 15 from the Apostle Paul, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If you're a young person or a young adult and a Christian, your life matters and your life will matter. Don't be afraid that God might call you to some violent mission field somewhere, which might be frightening and scary to do. And don't feel like you have to prove his love by going there without his calling or his direction. Just be obedient to him today, day by day. Get into his word daily, regularly, often, frequently. Hold yourself accountable to the church and you will grow. Your faith will strengthen And God will use you as he sees fit when the time comes. It might be in small things. It might be in great and wonderful things. Do not walk away. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5 For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with a full conviction. The word of God has come to you, even as youth, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to change your life for his glory. Stay with it. These souls, these saints that we see in Revelation, were sealed. They were under the authority of God, they were used for His glory. They had already given their lives for their testimony. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that had come, and they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. They cried out. It comes from the Greek word ekradzon, They were screaming. It's almost as if they were desperate. They were shouting. They knew they had suffered unjustly. They needed to know that God knew they suffered unjustly. Then God knew, God was aware. sovereign Lord holy and true how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth the saints had given their earthly lives for the testimony of the Lord Jesus how many of us would give our life for the faithful Savior how many of us would be willing to die I'd like to think I would, but quite honestly, I don't like to think about it that much. The prophet Jeremiah offers some wisdom here as well, challenges us with these words. Jeremiah 12, righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? Lord, you plant them and they take root, they grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Lord, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in, the beast, it, dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said, He will not see our latter end. Prophet Jeremiah was complaining about the success that the wicked, evil sinners were having and the persecution that the just were experiencing. The Lord didn't respond to Jeremiah with a, there, there, poor child. This is what the Lord said to Jeremiah in response. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Jeremiah, you ain't seen nothing yet. We are called to be faithful. We are challenged by his word to be faithful. And sometimes being faithful to him is difficult, even within a church who professes faith in Christ. Because sometimes even the sheep will bite. Sometimes the sheep will get a little ornery and argue and bicker and fight. I'm not pointing any fingers here. I'm just saying it happens. And sometimes, as we discussed in adult Sunday school class this morning, when we apostle Paul, he said, sometimes that breaks a pastor's heart. We are called to be faithful. God does know your fear. God does know your strength and your ability to cope with trial and he will not give you more than you are able to bear. Often, sometimes, from time to time, for his purpose, he will press you by his providential plan. He will kind of turn up the heat in your life, turn up the stress in your life to refine you, to strengthen you, and to equip you. Do you remember the problem he had with Simon Peter? Jesus had with Simon Peter this loud mouth of a lever always speaking before he engaged his brain. In Luke chapter 22, the Lord Jesus himself told Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you do, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat and the grammar suggests that the lord let satan have him that's why peter struggled so much in, with his denial what would happen were you ever tested that way 1st corinthians 10:13 the apostle paul wrote that church no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There may come time to time in your life testing that is so intense that you don't know how you're going to bear it. Do not turn away from him. Do not walk away from the church or from your faith. Do not get bitter about what is going on but as another brother here this morning said pray ask the lord why show me your wisdom how are you refining my life this should not be news to any of you jesus was forthright and direct when he delivered his very first sermon Everyone likes the first eight or nine verses of the Sermon on the Mount. They sound so precious. Blessed be, blessed be, blessed be. We almost forget about it when it gets down to blessed be the persecuted. Later on in that sermon, the Lord said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him and to the other also. Doesn't make sense to us. We want to get even as quickly as we can. You have heard it said, you shall love your enemies and hate your. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Proverbs twenty four seventeen to nineteen. Do not rejoice when your enemy fails, and let your let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. We are, as followers of Christ, to be all that we can be like our Lord. Patient and endurance, demonstrating the grace to those who do not believe. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you're persecuted, praise the Lord. Everything's normal. I know this is not Comforting. It's a little bit scary. First John three, two, Beloved, we are the children, we are God's children now, and what will be what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. what's going on here as he calls us to live as christ lived he is calling us to be patient he is calling us to demonstrate the personal the the patience of the lord himself the patience of god the one who waits as first peter talks about do not overlook this one fact, beloved: that the one day is a th- to the Lord one day is a thousand days, and a thousand days is, a, is, a, is one. I'm sorry. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved: that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years. As one day, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We become part of that formula, part of that equation, when we patiently wait upon the rebellion and endure the persecution of those who do not believe. We demonstrate the grace and mercy of Christ in our lives. Does this make sense? Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, in the first place, they understood that God cares for them. They were already in glory. They understood that God had provided eternal life for them. Which is a wonderful thing. But the offense of their deaths. Were not so much against them. The offense of their deaths. Were against God Almighty. Because as agents as professing believers in a world that rebels against God that they wanted the world the sinful world wanted to shut them up because they hated God they hated the holy father who redeemed them they wanted them out of the way in Romans 12:19 the apostle paul makes it very clear Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We have a sure promise that God will make all things right, even the unjust deaths of our martyrs. He will make all things new one day. We can trust him for that. We are sealed under his authority and for his purpose. We can cry out to him in our pain and in our suffering and ask for help, ask for relief, and know that it will come according to his promise, according to his plan. We also know that we shall be, as these saints were, we shall be secure. Once again, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. They were given white robes. Those robes, were that righteousness that was represented by those robes was righteousness that was given to them from Christ their Lord. They were secure. Secure in his grip, secure in his arms, secure in eternal life. We have a righteousness in Christ that is eternal, that is not our own. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't know why it's given to me. I cannot figure that out. Why me? But I can rejoice that it is mine. As a gift. Not that I've done anything to deserve it. We are safe in his care no matter what we may face. Secure in Him, by His righteousness. Never to be left, never to be forgotten. First Peter five six and seven. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. You going through a difficult trial. Get alone somewhere and shout, cry out to the Lord, plead with him, why? But don't walk away. Don't turn away. Don't try and get out from under the trial by indulging in something that's going to harm you. very well-known story about John Patton. you may have already heard it. I, it's one of my favorite stories about a Christian missionary. There's a string of islands in the South Pacific that once was known as New Hebrides they had no Christian influence and two men, John Williams and James Harris, from the London Missionary Society, landed on the shores in 1839. First time. On November 20th of that year, within... Hours stepping on shore, both missionaries were killed and eaten by cannibals. It was on the island of Aramanga. Nineteen years later, God laid a burden on the heart of a young man named John Batten. And he shared his burden for the island, for the people on that island, and said he intended to go. And there was an elder in his church, a Mr. Dickinson, or Mr. Dixon. Got very upset. The cannibals, you will be eaten by cannibals. And this 19-year-old man responded to his senior... Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I could but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day of my resurrection body, mine will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of the risen Redeemer. John Patton sailed to New Hebrides with his wife Mary on April 16, 1858. He was 33 years old then. They reached the appointed island of Tana on November 5th and in March the next year both his wife and his first, newborn son died of a fever. He served there alone for four years until he was forced off He returned just a few short years later, remarried, and stayed 40 years. Later in life, he wrote, thus the New Hebrides, baptized with the blood of martyrs and Christ, thereby told the whole Christian world that he claimed these idol islands as his own. Some of you may not know exactly where these islands are. If you ever watched Survivor on TV, if you remember the season when they were on Vanuatu, that's one of the islands of New Hebrides. What you may also realize is that 80% of the population of the these islands identify as Christians. Do you know what the population of the United States? I'd advise it's under 50%. Because one man was bold enough to live for Christ faithfully. In the face of death, in the face of difficulty. Many were brought to faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And continue to this day. We look at the book of Revelation. And these saints under the altar. And we are. Challenged. By what we see. And we want to apply. What we see to our lives as well. Spiritual endurance is needed. I don't care if you're just faithful church member, spiritual endurance is needed. Or if you're a church officer, spiritual endurance is needed. Or if you're a pastor, spiritual endurance is needed. Or if the Lord ever calls you to the mission field, spiritual endurance is needed. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, once again for your word and its power and its truth and we pray this day that you might help us leave behind the desires of this world and reach reach out to you in faith for spiritual growth for spiritual renewal for spiritual strength Help us be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.